Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Energized by Celsius, I am John Ledyard from PewterReport.com. Also with me today, the one and only texting. Oh, wow, like very, very young, very hip teen thing for you to do, Mark Cook, a young man like yourself, texting during the intro to the show. Glad to have you on board with us. I'm channeling my inner uh, Taylor or Trevor. Sorry, Trevor. Both I was going to say that's definitely Trevor was Trevor. king. King, oh it, you know, gosh. he could not have done the video podcast. That we, we couldn't have had a video podcast when we first started because he literally was on his phone the entire time. You could hear we it when I remember when I yeah. first. Yes, I yeah. remember doing lockdown NFL draft with him, and you could hear him like texting yeah. while I was like, "Hey, do you hear my question?" <laughs> like it was, but uh, yeah, yeah no, you know, and amazingly, he could kind of keep up with the flow of things. You know, oh he, my gosh, he, he could he could multitask. I do give him yeah. credit for that for sure. Oh, absolutely, no question about it. And joining the show for the first time ever is J.C. Allen, the newest Bucks beat reporter and staff writer over at PeterReport.com. J.C., your first article went up today on PeterReport.com. We are excited to have you aboard, man. Excited for you to be on the show with us. I'm excited to be here. I can't wait to just get to work and dive in and give the listeners and the viewers great content and just add to an already stellar staff that's in place. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Can't wait. Wow, very, very dignified start, don't you think, Mark? I mean, give those marks. He already set a good staff in place. So, I mean, obviously feeding our egos right away. We'll take yeah, that. Yeah, he's no dummy. I'll give him that for sure. He, he, he needs to work on his background a little bit. I mean, I thought mine was really bad with Barrett. Yeah, that's a little play. Yeah, you, head, but, I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. We, I had a banner behind me, but, you know. it's no And we need to definitely get you a pewter, a pewter Report shirt, too, the, uh, the Plain Hanes BPT. Oh, those are on yeah. their way. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, get the, that. The Peter Report shirts are on their way, but I mean, I I yeah. wear the plain shirts all the time too. I I mean, I, you're I can't walk the Buccaneer Bruce like you do every day. You've got the look down, yeah. You, I don't come styled for the podcast. I don't even. I just got some t shirt on now. I, I got the look down and all the health <laughs> problems Bruce has, so I'm I might as well go. be a 68 year old man right now. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Hey, this show, like all the others on the Peter Report podcast, is brought to you by our good friends over at Celsius. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. The new Tropical Vibes Sparkling Starfruit Pineapple Edition is wonderful. You need to check it out. But, hey, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you, I dropped one of them, about the newest and best thing that Celsius has going on is this deal with the fast protein bars they got going on. The white chocolate cookies and cream is a game-changer flavor, but I think my favorite is the salted caramel peanut crunch. You get 20 grams of protein and only two grams of sugar in these bars. It's great. It's hard to forget protein without getting sugar, too. This is a great source and a great opportunity for you to be able to do that with these bars. They are terrific stuff. And the taste, the taste, the taste. It's always about the taste of Celsius. You know you're getting a good taste with these bars. So definitely make sure you check those out. There's a link in the description of this show. You can go to that link. And click on that link, and it gives you an opportunity to get a variety pack with both of these flavors in it. Uh, it's terrific stuff. I just had one before we went on the show. I, sometimes I forget to eat because I'm working so hard. And so, you know me, guys. I mean, it's just I'm so hard at work, and, you know, it's just tough. Yeah. It's a tough life we tough. Yeah, those those ditches you dig out back and, uh, you know, the, the roofing that you do. And, uh, you know, people that are actually working for a living are like, shut up, yeah. John. Just stop it. Just stop. <laughs> You're covering a sport, dude. Get lost. Yeah. 110 today. <laughs> no, that's, uh, but, hey, listen, Celsius.com, the banner ads over at PeterReport.com. You can click on those and get yourself some Celsius. Find your way to those fast protein bars because they are game changers for you all. All right, we got uh, today's show topic, fellas, is the most disappointing bucks 
of all time. And yes, Josh, you were getting, or JC, I should say, you were getting thrown into the fire here, uh, uh, having to go back in Bucks history before you were able even to go forward with <laughs> us on a podcast. Be easy for you to talk about the upcoming season. You've been doing that for a while. We're going to test your resolve here and take you back in Bucks history. Even some. Not very far back, but still decently far back because Jason Light's been killing it recently. Hard to find many recent disappointments, but we might have a few on our list too that are under the light regime. I know I have a couple as well, but Mark, you have been at this thing the longest and you do know the history of this team probably better than anyone under the sun. So why don't you give us, we're doing one through five, I guess. I just kind of have a group of people I want to talk about more than a ranking. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm ranking mine, man. I'm, I'm, you guys do whatever okay. you want to. I'm, I'm going to start with my number five. All right, start and with I your actually, number five. I actually gave it away on the podcast. Now, this is the only modern era I'm going to call him Buccaneer. So, because I'm dressed like an old man, and I am an old man, and, uh, and I'm wearing the old uniform colors. I'm going to pretty much go with older guys, but this is one of the newer regime guys. And uh, I gave it away in my during yesterday in the podcast or, or actually when Scott and I were on when I did the FSU chop. And no, right. it's not Jameis Winston. It's another Florida State guy, Roberto Aguayo. Mm-hmm. Just an absolute disaster of a pick. And I like Jason Light. I appreciate his aggressiveness, his, uh, you know, like Bruce says, no risk it, no biscuit. That was a risk that he took. Anytime you take a kicker in the draft at all, much less trade up in the second round for one, you're asking to be scorned, yelled at, screamed, cursed. You might turn out, it might turn out to be good, but most of the time it doesn't. So Roberto Aguayo is number five on my list. Sorry, Jason. Don't mean to beat you up. This is the only one of your picks on my list officially of the top five, but Roberto Aguayo. Again, as great as he was in college, could not transition to the NFL, did not have the mental makeup at all to be able to be successful in the National Football League and just a disaster of a pick for the Buccaneers. And and now, JC, you hail from that New England area, and you know some of the background that maybe prompted Jason Light to take a kicker, to trade up for a kicker, and one of his few draft mistakes – he heard it from Bill Belichick. He knew that the Patriots valued that kicker position. If you could get a stud there, you know that's a player that's going to lead your team in points and all this stuff. You got to draft one, so you know a little bit of what, what that background is like for him. Yeah, I mean, if you can get a, you know, we, we've seen them, you know, draft kickers, and the last two years they've struggled. But Adam Vinatieri and Simonowski were just pillars and cornerstones uh, for that franchise. So if you can get a guy. You know, and you think he's going to be the best. Obviously, Aguayo, the most accurate kicker in in college history. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you draft him that high and it just mm, flops on you. Uh, he was actually just with the Patriots. They just released him. So That's right. mean, they, they took a they took a look at him, too, to see what he had in the tank. But I, I'm, I'm with Mark. He's on, he's on my list here, too. Um, you know, you, you just can't draft a kicker that high. Uh, it's I, I get it. You want to lock it down, especially with the Buccaneers kicking woes that they've had for so long. Um, you want to try to fulfill that spot. Might as well take the best one. Make sure you get them early so you know no one else can snatch them up. But mm, talk about a disappointment. Just came in and was just an absolute flop from the get-go. But and, that's uh, just it, JC. Yeah. Nobody was going to snap him up. He would have still been there in the fourth or fifth round. I don't buy – that you know he would have gotten drafted, and you know what? If he does, that's okay. You go find somebody else because kickers are so. I mean, to find a good one is not exactly easy, but there's there's a ton of question mark kickers out there, and Buccaneers were facing this going into last year with Matt Gay on the roster. They bring in Ryan Suckup late, and he ends up winning that kicking battle. Now Matt's doing fine in L.A. The Rams are happy with him, but um, 
there are plenty of those guys out there you can find to be mediocre. If you know, if you're going to draft a kicker in the second round, that was just a ridiculous yeah, thing. I, I looked almost exclusively at for for this exercise. I looked almost exclusively at big money free agents and first round picks, just because I think one of the big things in determining this list is the degree of expectation for the player in those situations. But Aguayo for a non-first, I mean, to trade up for a kicker, you basically have to be a Hall of Fame caliber kicker. I mean, there's no real right. in-between to be worth it. You know, and even then, you would probably, analytics would probably make an argument against it. But yeah, that that's basic. So, I mean, you talk about pressure right off the bat, and obviously he completely folded in the face of pressure, and that's kind of been the story of his career so far. So good choice, I think, uh, Mark, by you to have him in there, even though he maybe wasn't – he obviously wasn't a first-round pick, wasn't necessarily a big-money free agent signing, but I, he's got to be in there, right? I mean, that was just an absolute crash and burn and a pick that was yeah. under a lot of scrutiny, especially because of the trade-up in that situation. So, all right, JC, yep. what do you got? Who's number five on your list? Um, you know, I, I had Aguayo in there as well, but just for oh. the sake of keeping it, you know, going with some different guys. I've got, I've got more than five. I'm gonna oh, go yeah. here with uh, let's go with MJ Stewart. You know, uh, not just because of this, the disappointment of of his career, but also the players taken behind him that have excelled. You know, in, in this system, in this scheme, a second round pick, not necessarily as as highly touted as a first round pick, but you you draft a guy, you develop a guy, you invest in a guy, and that's what Jason Light has done here, investing in that backfield, in that defensive backfield, that secondary, mm -hmm. and for him to just kind of fizzle out and not do anything and get outshadowed and overplayed by guys taking later than him, I think you got to throw him on the list of, of one of the most disappointing bucks in recent history. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, not a first-round pick, so again, like maybe there's a little expectation argument could be made against him, but I mean, Mark, you saw this firsthand. How bad was MJ Stewart? I mean, he was horrible as a buck. There was not... I don't, was there even a redemptive game? I I know only because I watched, I think I watched most of his snaps with the Bucks. I mean, how much better they got when they just cut him loose and he was no longer on the team. It was remarkable to see that with he and Vernon Hargraves. Yeah, both of those guys are really bad. And and Vernon didn't make my top five, but you know, I I came up with a a, a next five, and Vernon was definitely on that list as well. Mm -hmm. Vernon had a few shining moments at least, but as you said, John. There was not a whole lot of redeeming qualities to MJ Stewart. Now he seems to have found a home in Cleveland, but the couple games that I watched of Cleveland last year, uh, whenever a player was getting burned in the secondary, usually it was number 36. I think that was his number uh, with Cleveland last year, and it wasn't surprising that it was MJ Stewart. Now, again, Cleveland seems to be a lot happier with him, but Scott Reynolds early on, and I mean early on, guys, said, and, he, and, and this is the thing about Scott. Scott's not afraid to challenge Jason Light or Bruce yep. Allen. Or he's definitely McKay. not. He's fearless, and, and I know specific. I, I remember him specifically telling Jason Light he doesn't have the speed to cover man to man. He just doesn't. He can't keep up with guys in a. You know, if he gets in a trail position, he's beat. And and you know, Jason's like, you know, and he's trying to defend it in his mind. But it, Scott's proven it proved to be true. At least in the scheme that the Buccaneers were running when MJ Stewart was drafted, he was not a good fit at all. And in and clearly wasn't a good fit uh, or Todd Bowles would have, have figured out a way to keep him as well. So yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. No. That's, that's not a terrible pick at all. The only thing that I would say that, that maybe one reason it wasn't necessarily in my list is, is there's to me, there's guys that were worse is they really knew they needed secondary help and they just threw a lot of things up against the wall. And if 50% of those guys ended up mm -hmm. sticking, which, you know, you go MJ Stewart, then you go Carlton Davis. One of those two guys turned out to be a really damn good football player. That's kind of what you have to do in the draft, 
particularly when you get out of the first round. But uh, I'm not arguing with that. He was he was a bad pick. Very disappointing yeah. for the Buccaneers when you look at where he was drafted. Right, for sure. And for me, I, again, these list isn't necessarily in any order because you know the order probably better than anybody, Mark. I just picked a bunch of guys that are disappointing, and yeah. I'm going to try to bring up guys that maybe you guys don't necessarily mention or I don't think you will mention. I got to throw Josh Freeman out there, though. I mean, yeah. and I know things got off to a good start with Josh Freeman, too. It didn't look like it was going to be that bad. But to me, that's part of what makes it so disappointing. Like, he's a quarterback in the first round, and he starts off well. The expectation level should be that this guy is going to turn around your franchise. He's going to lead you back to the playoffs. He's going to be the next savior of the Bucs. And instead, not only was he underwhelming after that, but he didn't put his full heart and soul into everything that he was doing in Tampa Bay either. And so that makes it even more disappointing because the ability was there. You know, Jameis, for all the, the issues that he had, he busted his tail to try to be the sure. best version of himself that he could be. I don't think that happened with Josh Freeman. So to me, he's an easy inclusion and the most disappointing list given that level of expectation and talent that he brought to the table. And, you know, you could even go Jameis Slim. He's not on my list. I don't know if he's on either of you guys' list. He's not on my list. But when you're the number one overall draft pick and you don't make it to your second contract, that's got to be disappointing. Now, again, if you're Jason Light, what was his choice, right? They needed a quarterback. They knew they desperately needed a quarterback, and it was him yeah. or Marcus Mariota. Neither one of those guys have lit it up. Mariota's a backup in, in, in Las Vegas right now. Who knows if he ever sees the field again as a starter. He was not very good at Tennessee. They went and, they went and traded for Ryan Tannehill to – I mean that's that's how bad Mariota was essentially. So, uh, but Jameis wasn't very good as well. But I I I don't I, well, I, I, I don't disagree with Josh at all because um, again a guy that we saw talent we saw glimpses of what he could be and just to watch him fall off the cliff. People can blame Greg Shiano all you want. Was Greg the right coach for for Josh? Probably not. Josh but then Freeman, neither was anybody else. Was a lot he was of, out of the league. A, a lot. He was just so. He was so. He so many self-inflicted wounds from Josh Freeman. It wasn't just Greg Schiano. I promise. I promise you. We know so many more things that we just can't talk about specifically. It wasn't just Greg Schiano. They weren't Scott's a good. Told match. some they stories good on fit. the pod. He's yeah, told well, some that's stories true. Pod. He's opened up about a little bit. JC was was uh, Winston. I want to stay on Winston for a minute here, just because. This is divisive, right? I didn't know whether I was going to bring him up at the end of the show. I didn't think Mark would have him at all or mention him, and I didn't think you would have him, and I was going to bring him up at the end of the show. He didn't make my top five, but I'm curious if he made yours and what your thoughts are on him. You know, it was it was, it was a back and forth, right? Because Winston, you look at the, the – he's got all the physical talent, right? He's got all the tools, mm -hmm. really. It, it's For him, it's always been decision-making, when to throw an interception, when to take a sack, when to throw it away. Um, you know, struggled with accuracy issues and stuff like that as well. But as Mark said, if you're the number one overall pick and, you know, Jason Light's hand were tied, it's really tough to not make it to that second contract. And not only that, not to even get a um, like a redeeming contract. You had to settle for a veteran on a team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no interest around the league, basically. It, it's, it's, you know, it, it's Gaming. tough to put him as the most disappointing, as one of the most disappointing because he did have some, you know, some decent times here and decent games here. And, and there was glimmers more so than Josh had of, of hope. And right. you know, I think that's why you still have a lot of these Jameis stands out there who, you know, Jameis one one and, you know, all these, his little following and stuff like that, that will come at you and be like, Jameis is this, he's the most, this, he's the most that Buccaneers history. And it, it's going to, it's difficult because of his potential and what he could have done if he could have just, you know, right. Head on. I, I, 
I think Ben Leeper says it well here. It's not a question of whether he's a bust or not. That's almost a different discussion with yeah. Jameis in some ways. I mean, I think there could be correlation here, but the question is more specific even than that. Was he disappointing for what he was drafted to be? I think no question when you're the number one overall pick yes. and you don't if you don't get your team, that team doesn't even get to the playoffs. And I'm not saying that's all on Jameis, but certainly he's a huge reason why it didn't happen. I mean, the turnovers and the sacks that he took consistently, the accuracy issues that plagued him, you look at the receivers and the talent that they had and look at their numbers when things changed this year at the quarterback position. Every receiver on the team had their best catch rate of their careers with a different quarterback. And it, and it was – Cutter and Bruce Arians, they have a lot of similarities in their offense. They're both downfield, very vertical, aggressive passing attacks. It, it's not like all of a sudden everything changed other other than the quarterback. I mean, like there was a lot of – a lot of it was carryover and the quarterback changed and all of a sudden – a Super Bowl was won. And I'm not saying it's all Brady being better than Winston, but it, it, it but yes, he should be on a list. I, maybe top five, no, but I think he's got to be on a list. But you're yeah. right. At the same time, I don't absolve, I absolve Jason Light completely. He had to take yeah. Winston was the best quarterback in that class. He was the best chance. Most guys grow at the next level. Winston just didn't. He just didn't. They never cut out the things that really killed his game in college that you thought, oh, he'll get a little bit, he'll get good enough that. No, it just never it never really happened. So he's a fascinating conversation because he obviously leads the franchise in quarterback stats. But you you know, John, you know who's not disappointing, John? Oh Briar Briar Reeves Insurance Agency. That's what I, I was gonna guess. Briar Greaves <laughs> has been around 31 years. There's no Buccaneer players that have been around 31 years. There's nobody in that sure. organization, I don't think, anymore that's been around 31 years. But Briar Greaves has been in the Tampa Bay area serving their customers in the Tampa Bay community for 31 years the same amount of years that you and ryan griffin have been alive john that's a long time you guys are getting yep. pretty old up there so briar greaves listen if you want to trust somebody trust briar greaves and i say that because i personally trust them with my homeowner's insurance scott reynolds does the thing we're going to get jc on the train we're going to get your wife on the train because i'm sure she handles all of those things next time oh, your yes. homeowner's insurance comes up Give Briar Greaves a call. Let them compare and see. John, they might be able to save you some money. They might not. That's the great thing about them. They're not going to BS you and say, oh, yeah, and they're going to lower your limits to save you a little bit of money. They may suggest you do that. You may be carrying too, too high of limits. That's the great thing about them. There's going to be an honest assessment. You're going to have an opportunity mm -hmm. to save some money, put some money in your pocket with a trusted source and an extra benefit. Briar and Sam are huge Buccaneer fans. So at the very least, the worst possible case is they can't save you any money, but you get to spend 10 or 15 minutes talking Buccaneers football with them. Give them a call, 813-876-4166, briargreavesinsurance.com. Great stuff from Sam and Briar, as always. All right, number four on your list, Mark, who do you have? You guys have no idea who this is, and uh, <laughs> probably most people in the chat don't either. What? 19, really? 19, 1991, the Buccaneers had the number seven overall pick in the draft. They selected an offensive tackle from the University of Tennessee by the name of Charles McRae. One of the absolute worst. You're talking about a top 10 draft pick. It's hard to screw up top 10 offensive linemen, John. Normally, you pick in the top 10, you figure this guy's going to be a plug-and-play 10-year starter. Be. It's Usually, these guys are pretty consensus around the league. The problem with Charles McRae was... He did not love football at all. In fact, in a story with the Sarasota Herald Tribune back in 2003, they caught up with Charles McRae, and he admitted football is not the most and never has been the most important thing in his life. And to me, that's a huge red flag when you're scouting a football player. You've got to have guys in the building that love the game of football. Now, Charles was also drafted 
to, to, to bookend Paul Gruber. Charles played left tackle in college. They moved him to right tackle. It never was a fit. Charles hated the organization, guys. Charles came in, looked, took one look at the weight room at one Buccaneer place, the old one Buccaneer place, and, and was quoted as saying, my high school had a better weight room. Than the no. Buccaneers, and he's not oh, exaggerating. No. Scott can tell you from the oh, from the no. old building, they literally had the weight room out on a patio with an awning over it. It was outside, exposed to the weather. I mean, there wasn't even any air conditioning in their weight room. A lot of the guys actually went to like the local ballys and 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 whatever the fitness places were around to work out because the, it was just an embarrassment. Uh, but Charles McRae in itself was a complete disappointment. Again, how. You can be this talented. And from a physical standpoint, he was a big man. He was a strong man. He had agility, all of these things. He just didn't love the game of football. And the Buccaneers used a number seven overall pick. You know who else was drafted in the 1997 draft, guys, that the Buccaneers could have taken? Mm. Maybe you've heard of him. Brett Favre, a second rounder. I mean, there's so many guys when you look down the list. It just makes you cringe when you think about the different guys the Buccaneers could have drafted. Instead of Brett Favre. They drafted Charles McRae, number seven overall. So I think there's maybe some old-timers in the chat that will agree with me. That was just a dreadful, dreadful disappointment in a pick. And, John, you were saying you're kind of going with free agent guys. To me, I'm going with draft because the draft – free agent guys supplement your draft. The draft is the foundation. And when you continuously blow top ten draft picks like this Buccaneer football team has done over its 46-year history, that's why one reason why up until this year they were really – them and the Cleveland Browns had the lowest winning percentage in the NFL, really in all the professional sports, if I'm not mistaken, right. over the last 20 or 30 years because of poor drafts. And Charles McRae, to me, was another example of that. And that's why he's number four on my list. Oh, great choice. No question about it. I think you're right about the draft, though. You're onto something. I mean, yeah, I think there's a guy, a free agent that I'll bring up here in a little bit that definitely made my list just because what was going on, I do not know. And this one was kind of on Jason Light, too. But Man, the, most of these guys, when you look, yeah, it's a lot of draft picks. I and mean, a lot of them before Jason Light was on board. So, JC, who's number four on your list? Number four on my list. I'm going to bring it um, bring it back to the early 2000s. Uh, mm. And we're going to go with Kenyatta Walker here. Mm. Kenyatta Walker. Yeah, yeah, must. Overall, but not just 14th overall. Traded a second-round pick up to get the guy. Tried to play him at left tackle. Couldn't hack it there. Meant to right tackle. He started about 70-something games for the club, but was just never really a guy. He was just he was a jag there. He was just a guy that could hold up some blockers. He was never outstanding. You know, he was heralded as one of the best, you know, offensive linemen in the draft. Started following the Bucks, saw it, targeted him, gave up significant draft capital, get him, and it just never worked out. He was cut after six seasons and, you know, went on to play, I think, two more years in the league before he was totally out of it. So, um, well, the biggest problem with him, JC, is he was a Gator. I mean, let's just face it. Um, he's a Gator. <laughs> he's, and so he started you just, the list with a Seminole, and then we spent 10 yeah, minutes talking about another yeah, Seminole. Yeah, okay, good point. Yeah, no, like, We've got I, another I, Gator coming up here, though, actually, so maybe we see a trend. Yeah, there's a trend there. Okay, and and, 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 and I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that necessarily at all, JC. I mean, Kenyatta was a disappointment. Again, when you look at the perspective of where he was drafted and what you gave up to take this guy and the success that he had, or the lack of success that he had. Now, he did end up starting that 2002 Super Bowl season, but I don't remember anything spectacular about this guy at all. I think everybody that remembers Kenyatta Walker playing remembers he was a penalty machine. He makes – everybody gets on Donovan Smith because he has those two or three plays per game where he gets a hold, a false start, and a penalty called on him or whatever. Uh, Kenyatta Walker makes uh, Donald Penn look like – I mean, not Donald Penn, makes uh, – 
uh, uh, Donovan Smith looked like a future Hall of Famer. That's how bad he was. You talk about bad streak. He didn't just have a bad three or four plays. He would have entire bad quarters or bad halves. He was that bad. Sheesh. Wow. I remember his name. I remember him being a bust. I know he won a Super Bowl there with them, obviously, but it was more like surviving him than it was thriving yes. due to his play yes. for sure. So yeah, definite, yeah. definite inclusion. He was on my list as well. I'll go another direction just to keep shaking things up. Mark Barron, man, I oh, thought that was just such God. a bad pick. Like, first of all, the guy didn't work out at safety at all in the NFL. Then he switched to linebacker, has somehow survived. I don't think he's on a team right now. I don't think he, no. he got cut from the Broncos maybe last year. But, I mean, I remember I watched him in Pittsburgh after his linebacker conversion had been – he was a couple years into it, and he was just terrible. And I was just like, man, he just isn't good anywhere on the field. Like, he just – he doesn't have it. And that was a, that was a high pick, wasn't it, Mario? That was like a top ten pick, seventh I believe. Overall. Seventh, yeah, overall. seventh overall. And then who, there were some guys after him that were studs. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> they they got Levante David later in that draft. They could have Levante Taylor, David and Luke Keekley in the same draft. You talk about a sap um, uh, Brooks, two Hall of Famers in the first round. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, this could have been another draft where they ended up with two Hall of Famers. Mark Dominic right. probably would still be here if he would have drafted Luke Keekley, <laughs> but maybe not. But uh, he would have certainly had more feathers in his cap than he does right now. That's one of the greatest linebacker drafts of all time, man. What an unreal dr- linebacker draft that was. <laughs> Just studs everywhere. But, yeah, definitely uh, I don't think Mark Barron at linebacker or at safety was one of those guys. So, uh, yeah, big, big disappointment in my mind. The chat, the chat's reminding about the Julius Pepper versus Ken- Kenyatta Walker loss. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah, that was that was good. You know, you go back to uh, Mark Barron. Um, from from I, I covered him from his, you know, when he was drafted through his old Buccaneer career. Um, probably not a more unpleasant guy to interview. And again, I don't, I don't know he was a bad guy per se, huh. but. He just brought nothing to the table when you interviewed this guy. And every time you asked if you could speak to him in open locker room, he glared at you like you asked if you could sleep with his sister, right? I mean, he was not, he was not, he was like, really? You really asking me to, you know, to talk right now? And I don't know why we ever did because nothing ever good came from this guy at all. He was, he was a canned response kind of guy and uh, just not a lot of creativity there. He worked as he worked hard. I don't give him, you know, he was, he was a very athletic looking guy, but, he was just not a good fit in, in Shannon's defense. And like you said, he had some success with the Rams later on when they moved him, but uh, just just not a great football player. He started off great. He had an interception in his very first game against Carolina. Um, I can't remember who was the good. Cam Newton was the quarterback in that game. It was at, at Raymond James Stadium, and the Bucs won, won, I think, 16-10 to 10 in that game. But uh, it was pretty much downhill from that game. Interesting. All right, so back to you, Mark, then, I think, for number three on your list. This, this one may be a consensus, guys. But we're going to go back to the mid-90s and a, and a man that played next to Michael Irvin in Dallas. And, and, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't want one person in this chat to lie and say they weren't excited when the Buccaneers signed Alvin Harper as the free agent. Because there was no talent on this roster really at wide receiver at that point. I think Courtney Hawkins was on the team. and Great kid, great guy, but he wasn't a superstar. We all thought that uh, all of a sudden Alvin Harper was going to come to Tampa and continue his, the success that he had in Dallas. Problem was there wasn't a Michael Irving lining up next to him in Tampa Bay. And, and that was just started, one of the problems. <laughs> it started bad and got worse. He was injured in his very first game. I remember I was on vacation down at the beach. Uh, the Buccaneer uh, preseason games weren't sold out back then, so it wasn't on TV. So I was at the pier fishing 
at the Anna Maria uh, City Pier, had a little transistor radio. And I remember when he got injured against the Jets in that first preseason game. And they thought it was a lot worse than it was. Turned out to be an MCL, not an ACL. But his career was almost dead before he got started here in Tampa Bay with that injury. Missed the first three games of that season. Uh, Ended up in two years with less than 1,000 yards receiving, only three touchdowns. One 100-yard game, if I'm not mistaken, in his final year in 96, he had 77 yards on two catches against the Broncos, and 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 that was pretty much the highlights from this guy. He had more highlights for driving on a suspended license for not paying tickets than he did highlights on the football field. Just a bad, bad dude, a real jerk. I had a run in with him in the locker room. I've already told that story on the pod. I won't bore people again with it, but uh, there's not many people that I dislike that, that played for the Buccaneers more than Alvin Harper. Just a total jerk. And if people want to hear that story and uh, more about Alvin Harper, they can go back to our last Throwback Thursday podcast where Mark and I ranked our top 10 bucks of all time, and I scared his heart right out of his chest when I kicked (laughs) off my list of the best bucks of all time with Alvin Harper at number 10. Almost uh, died because I was in (laughs) mid-swallow of water. And you know that feeling when you know it's going down the wrong pipe? I saved it. I didn't quite die, but I thought I was going to drown on my own. Uh, I've gotten a great history lesson on Alvin Harper since then. Obviously, that was in, in jest, but still, I've, yeah. I've learned a lot more about the Alvin Harper bust for sure. And you can see one look at the chat and it reminds what Bucks fans think of Alvin Harper is pretty unanimous. So, yeah, that one was always going to be in there. He was on my list, too. Uh, all right, JC, who do you have at number three? All right, I'm going to go, like I said yesterday, I'm going to keep it more modern because I don't know the history of the Buccaneers team as much as obviously Mark does, and I, I'm excited to learn more about it. But I'm going to go with a guy who came out the gate, drafted early, although you never should draft this position pretty early, but came out the gate, had phenomenal success, and then injuries kind of slowed him down, derailed his career to the point where he's just a, a, a myth and a legend you know, of what could have been. And we're going to go with the uh, Cadillac Williams right here. Oh, that's Love interesting. Cadillac. Love Cadillac Williams coming out. I thought the guy was going to be a set. Him and Ronnie Brown took the league by storm, rushed for 1,100 yards as a rookie, and then after that got injured and just kind of slowed down and came to a stop. The Cadillac died. Engine, <laughs> the engine didn't have any tune-ups, no nothing. The wheels just came off and it was he, over. He threw, he threw a rod. There's no doubt about it. And I believe it was against Carolina on the road where he where he tore his knee up pretty bad. This is a guy whose cleats are still in the NFL Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, because he set the NFL record for most yards rushing in his very first two NFL football games. I think he had 100. I remember who he played in the first game. The second game, I think, was Minnesota on the road. He had a late, like, long 75-yard touchdown run to preserve the win for the Buccaneers. Uh, and uh, things were looking really good. Scott Reynolds will tell you, he was the fourth best running back taken in that draft or third best or something like that because you had Ricky Williams. You had uh, – who did you mention? The other Auburn Ron, kid, Ron, uh, Ronnie yeah. Brown. Uh, was Ricky Williams think, in that draft? I, Cedric I, I Benson know, Cedric Benson. Yeah, Cedric Benson. Maybe not Ricky Williams. Yeah, I take he that back. But, the year before. but this was this was a case where three running backs were taken in the first five picks, and you took the worst one essentially. And and guys, again, I like to look back at who they could have had. Right, another quarterback that's in the news today that beat Tom Brady in golf the other day. Aaron Rodgers was in that draft. John Gruden passed up on Aaron Rodgers oh, the draft. Right. The third best running back. <laughs> oh, Josh round. is getting his first boo session on the pod. I love it. Boo. Well, well, Patty. Let, me, let me explain. Patty? Uh, he's not most disappointing. 
part of it is it's not necessarily disappointing as a player, but disappointing what happened to his career. Obviously, you know, you started off, and if you're a Bucks fan, you're like, oh, yeah, we've got Caddy. Look at this guy run. He's amazing. As Mark just brought up some of his highlights from his rookie year, and then, boom, the injuries start to hit. And then that's disappointing, you know, whether it's his play falling off on itself or injuries limiting him. It's still disappointing. You took him really high in, high in the um, – yeah. High in the draft, and you, you at didn't that get, position. You want to, you need an elite yeah, player, and you need so. one early. Yeah, you and, need and, an Adrian Peterson type yeah. guy who's going to play that long. And, but it is injuries. Yeah. I mean, Cadillac to me, I I disagree, yeah. Scott. I wish you were here. I'd tell him to his face. I think Cadillac was the most talented, most talented back in that class. But injuries derailed him. I thought Cedric Benson was the least, and he may have ended up. I don't know. Ronnie Brown had a good career. Ronnie Brown had the best career. He's, I think he ended up being the most durable. I'd have to go back and yeah, check it again. And I'm so. pretty sure he had the best career out of the, those guys. Wow. Forget who else was in that class, but yeah. It started I, a Wildcat movie. But, but Scott, we tells, Scott tells the story of, of John Gruden, who coached the Senior Bowl that year before the draft, falling in love with the name Cadillac Williams. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you don't draft a guy based on his nickname, but that was part uh, of Gruden does. John Gruden loved that fact that, you know, again, again, if there wasn't an Aaron Rodgers still sitting there, and of course there were 20 other teams that ended up passing before the Packers took him late in the first round. So it wasn't like it was just the Buccaneers who blew that. But, uh, man, just uh, disappointing. But, uh, again, disappointing because he had injuries. I, I don't blame players for injuries. I really don't. It's just yeah. – to me, it's bad luck as much as anything. Yeah. This person mentions Chris Sims. Is, are you disappointed that he lost – are you disappointed that he lost his spleen, JC? I mean, come on. I mean, it's not his fault. No, boo Chris Sims. It's a, I mean, come on. Do we really think Chris Sims was going to be the future of the Buccaneers well, franchise well, he here? He wasn't even a high pick, was he? He was like a That's what I'm saying. second or third round I guy. Boo third round? I'll him back. <laughs> All right. Any, any opportunity to take a shot at Chris Sims, I'm totally fine with. But oh, yeah. I just Man, don't the hate for Chris Sims <laughs> from you, John. As an analyst, as a human, yes. maybe he's great. I don't know. Great guy. Um, great guy. Great guy from what I'm told. Very nice man. <laughs> um, so, okay, there we go. There's a, what, three for you and three for JC. I'll, I'll give you a th- I'll give you another name to throw out there because we, we touched on him at the beginning and I mentioned he was coming at some point. Vernon Hargraves. I mean, not a, it, part of it's play on the field. I just think he got worse and worse, really. But but another part of it is I don't know how locked in engaged he was. And then I've watched him with Houston since then even, and I'm just like, I think he's the worst corner in the league. I, I I watch a lot of football. I think he might be the worst corner in the league. I mean, corn, D, Tampa's defense totally changed when they got rid of him. I mean, it was that point where the t- whole unit started moving in the right direction. Getting him off the field was critical. Out of the locker room, critical. I mean, I'm not saying he was like a bad influence guy. You'd know better than I would on that, Mark. I just don't think he was the type of guy that the old regime had that the new regime didn't, I don't know light drafted him, but that, that he was, he was a part of that old bucks type of mentality and he just didn't fit at all with, I don't think he fits anywhere in the league to be honest, but mentality wise play caliber wise, I don't feel like he fits at all with everywhere they've went at the position. I just, they were so much better when they just finally were like, all right, we're done. And they, they needed a cornerback that year. And that was, I'd have to go back and look at the other players that were taken after him. I don't think the first round was a great first round that year. It was a bad the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers moved down a little bit to take him. I'll admit, and this is hard for me to admit because I don't, I hate the Gators. I actually, (laughs) he was my mock draft pick for the Buccaneers. Uh, that morning we did a round table on 620 and, and Vernon Hargraves was my guy. And I was at the NFL owners meeting with Jason Light um, in Boca Raton earlier that year in the spring. And I jokingly said, 
please tell me you're not going to draft a Gator. And Jason turned and looked at me real seriously. And he goes, look, I drafted your Seminole last week. Cut me some slack. And I <laughs> laughed. And then the more I thought about that, I said, they may be serious about this guy. Me as a Seminole guy, I will say this, Vernon Hargraves, the, the, the Gators weren't great during Vernon Hargraves' career at Florida, uh, but he was the best player on the, uh, in the secondary uh, for a couple years there. I mean, I you just didn't really throw his way. Um, and I thought he was going to end up being a more physical guy as far as tackling. That was one of the things after he was drafted, Jason Light and, and Mike Smith both said, you know, this guy will come up and hit you and he'll tackle you. But we didn't really see that when he got here to Tampa Bay. And, you know, again, I think he was a good effort guy and he wasn't a bad guy. He wasn't the most, you know, fun, jovial guy to hang out with in open mm-hmm. locker room, but he wasn't a bad guy per se. He was no Alvin Harper. But, uh, right. but you know, again, you know, you played in Gainesville. What do you expect? You get what you, you get what you ask for. <laughs> Hey, speaking of get what you asked for, ask for green room, Spotify green room, and you're going to get it, especially with JC down here. He has been killing the green rooms for a while and he's going to be on there a lot. So if you uh, see him starting to fire up a green room, make sure you jump in there and talk to him. But Spotify green room is changing the way we talk sports. It's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams you care about. React to sports news as it happens. Gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games. Rep your favorite teams and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation with Spotify Green. We were on there a little bit yesterday, previewing that Bolts game, and they end up coming up victorious. Tampa Bay remains. Congrats to the Tampa Bay Lightning on that Spotify Green Room. I told JC that uh, that uh, Andre Palat was going to have the game-winning goal, and he had it on his stick, and he <laughs> missed it. Yeah, I and I was uh, screaming. That could have not get it in there. There was so many opportunities. Oh. Right there. But Ross Colton was the hero. Johnson was going to score. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and he had some chances too. I mean, he played well too. But yeah, that was a it was a it was a it was a nail biter to watch for sure the whole way. But it, you just. It's hard to doubt Vasilevsky, man. What a player. What an unbelievable player he is. Best performance I've seen particularly, since 2011. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Particularly coming off of losses. I mean, Vazzy just oh doesn't lose gosh. after, you know, after, after he doesn't lose two in a row. And in, in a position, game, yeah. Opportunities, right. Uh, to put a series away, he's just, uh, he just came up big. You know what I loved about seeing that last night after the, the final horn sounded or whatever they do in hockey? Um, he rips his mask off and he's jumping around. You never see any emotion from this guy. You know, they're wearing masks, so it's hard to tell body language and things like that. But, you know, he doesn't get mad. He doesn't slam his stick down a whole lot. He's just – you almost think that he's not human back there. And and I love to see that emotion on his face after he ripped that mask off and how happy he was. Uh, I, you know, the, there's no, no doubt in my mind – and, again, I'm no hockey expert, but the, the Lightning don't have two Stanley Cups in a row without uh, Andre Vasilevsky at all. He's, he's that yeah. good. That important. As good as they, as talented as they were offensively, right. you know, you still you still got to have a stud behind. I, I mean, you just, know, between the pipes, they just throw their sticks up in the air with like blatant no dis, no regard <laughs> for anyone where they're gonna land. It doesn't matter. Right. Out of the way. It just cracks me up how like I mean, all year I just watch NHL players. I'm like, man, every player talks the same way. They say the same stuff. Every coach is just it's the opposite of the NBA to me. There's in the in the NFL too. There's like no personality. There's no like anything, but then as soon as the cups win yeah. one and it's over, Kucherov shirtless on the press, yeah. you know, it's like they just bottle it all season long and then they just go nuts with the cup, whoever wins it. Colton out there with a giant champagne bottle feeding <laughs> the people outside of I mean, yeah, it's just like they celebrate like no other. It's just oh. like, but everything's totally buttoned up all year until that point. It cracks me up. Anyway, getting back to these lists here because we got a couple more to finish up. Uh 
Somebody asked about Michael Clayton, and I don't know if maybe I'm maybe I'm stealing somebody off somebody's list. I don't know. But I am curious to get Mark's thoughts here because the $2 super chat from Lawrence Lowe, we appreciate that. We also appreciate Mr. Bucks Nation throwing a super chat out there. Tall Florida guy throwing a super chat out there. Appreciate those super chats. Those have been picking yeah. up again recently. We definitely appreciate those. But Michael Clayton, I don't know. I want your thoughts on it really because I know injuries were kind of part of it too for Clayton. He played for six years in Tampa Bay. But after his rookie year, I remember but nothing. one year. That's the crazy right. thing, John. I, I followed this team, and I, I really remember that first, maybe the second year a little bit too. But What was bizarre, you know, he, he had an 80-catch, 1,100-yard, seven-touchdown rookie season. What year was never, his rookie year? His, 2004. Four. four. And then he ne- he was there for five more years and never went over – 484 yards was his most ever. He never hit 40 well, catches again. Like, uh, crazy. P- part of his problem was who was throwing him the football. At one point, Bruce Gradkowski was the quarterback of this football team. And, you know, you, you, there was uh, Greasy in there. There was Sims in there. I mean, there was no real set established starter uh, for a few of those years that he was here. He had a terrific rookie campaign. I wasn't real big on him coming out. I wasn't overly excited when the Buccaneers drafted him, but I thought, well, he's a big-bodied kind of guy. Wasn't particularly fast. Was more of a possession-type receiver mm-hmm. in my mind. And, yeah. um, but, you know, good guy. Does Buccaneer radio stuff on Sunday with Tom Krasnicki. I enjoy listening mm-hmm. to his commentary. I think he's completely out of his mind on half the things that he says, but that's what I like <laughs> about I like radio people that are entertaining. There's no question yeah. about it. Mike, if, if Michael Clayton was nothing else on the radio, he's definitely entertaining. But just um just a just one of those, you know, he was a mid-round guy and a and not a great draft class and just didn't um, you know, live up to a whole lot of expectations. I wouldn't put him in my top five. Uh, at all i've i've got a guy here john you ready for okay go two? ahead yeah Again, give, here's give, another here's, here's another history lesson for you two guys 1982 the buccaneers are on the clock they're coming off of another nfc central title in 1981 they get ready to make the draft pick now let's let's go back to technology in 1982 there was none of these things here right there was no cell phones and and, and computers were in their infancy stage you actually used an analog telephone for, to to make your choice. So what happens is the Buccaneers are on the clock. They're debating. It's between two players, Sean Farrell, a guard and a defensive end from Bethune Cookman named Booker Mm -hmm. Reese. So the Buccaneers actually decided finally, there's a minute left back then. They had 15 minutes. I don't remember if it's 10 or 15 now in the first round, but they had, they were down to about a minute left. They get on the phone from Tampa after they make the decision between the two guys to draft, uh, but what was said was, we're not going to go with Sean Farrell. We're going to go with Booker Reese, make him the pick. Well, on this speakerphone, again, technology has changed quite a bit. There was a lot of noise up in New York. It was actually at the Sheraton at the time. It wasn't at Radio City Music Hall. A lot of fans like there is now. But anyway, uh, but they were crowded. I mean, back then, the, 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 the GMs making these calls were amongst the fans, right? So anyway, there was a lot of background noise. The person mm-hmm. who was relaying the information to Pete Roselle, who was the commissioner at the time, misheard Booker Reese and said Sean Farrell. So the Buccaneers actually draft, drafted Sean Farrell, which is fine because he ended up playing 10 years, was a pretty good guard for this football team. The mistake was the Buccaneers completely lost their minds, freaked out, and traded a 1983 pick to go back and get Brooker Reese. So they ended up with Booker Reese by accident, used two picks, essentially three, if you count the one that they used in 83, a number one Sheesh. draft pick. 
1983. 1983 was a damn good year draft class too. Here's the, but 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 that's not the worst part. The worst part is Booker Reese in his career in Tampa Bay in two seasons had a whopping two sacks for this football team. They ended up trading him to the Rams for a 12th round draft pick. That's back when the draft used to go 12 rounds. And uh, he played a couple years in in L.A., uh, got involved with drugs, and and he's still still alive, thank goodness, and continue to pray for the guy. But he had alcohol and cocaine problems. He continues to have those things in and out of prison. Uh, Just an awful, awful draft pick for this franchise. And again, Mm. 82, 83 they go. Two and 14, 84. They go six and 10. Then they go two and 14, two years in a row. So it was kind of the start to me, the catalyst of the downfall of this football team mm. uh, with the selection of Booker Reese, who again, they mistakenly drafted Sean Farrell, who turned out to be a much better draft pick, but then tried to correct that mistake by trading back up to get this guy wow. and giving up an 83 number one draft pick to get a guy that ended up with two sacks. That was it. That was trying that to was picture them. Like mistakenly drafting somebody today. It's like never, it's never, it's, it's, it, it, it can't happen today. Technology is too good. Say, yeah. Too many safeguards. Back then, it was literally a guy on a speakerphone talking to another guy in a crowded room on a speakerphone, you know, and it was just wow. Brutal. That's hilarious. Uh, so, Garrett brings up an interesting point before we get to JC's number two. This list better have Bo Jackson. How do you see that one, Mark? Do you, do you think that's mm, fair? Mm. Didn't think about Hold it. Oh, wait, or, wait, we haven't got Mark's number one yet. Hold mm. All no. right, let's. All right, all right, pulling back. Here we go. But over to JC. Go ahead, JC. All right, so I'm going to go with another defensive end um, that they kind of had. It seemed like they had no choice. I mean, they had a choice. It's the wrong word, but it felt like Gruden thought he had no choice but to take take a number four overall. They were trying to get up in position to trade up and grab one of the most um, decorated and just an impactful wide receivers of the last generation in Calvin Johnson didn't happen. Um, we talked about running backs that they could have taken. Uh, if, if you're going to take a running back with my last guy, Adrian Peterson was a guy they could have had another, 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 yeah, that was weird. <laughs> I thought he was like doing like a rap sample of some sort. Yeah, Josh, join back in. I don't know. I, it was like a sound effect or whatever. I was like, is but, that uh, my connection? He was passionate about that. Joke. Yeah, no, he I was actually wrote a song about it. Yeah, he, he was oh. laying down the beats. And uh, it, was, that's, Josh, that's you back? Ter- you hear us? Are you back? 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 That's what you were doing, by the way. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right, all right. Okay, I do well, have a rap song out there if you want to go check it out. I, I have no desire to at all. <laughs> I was just saying how much better technology is today than it was in '82. Maybe it's not because Josh J. JC Allen might have drafted uh, Sean Farrell uh, with his last selection right there. We don't know because the connection was so bad. I can't wait. I can't wait to go back and listen to it. But um, Gaines Adams was the pick. I don't know if you guys got that far. Yeah, oh, we yeah, didn't figured know. that out. Yeah, Gaines I figured Adams. it out. You're right. Yeah, I mean, you could have Patrick Willis, Adrian Peterson, Thera Rivas. You went with Gaines Adams. Um, you know, unfortunately, he passed away. Mm. Uh, but he he gave you what 13 sacks, I think, in his yeah. two years. Uh, and they never, never. I mean, that was it. What, he, so he ended up. He passed away. He was in between teams, I believe. Right? He wasn't yeah. on a. I don't think he was on a roster. This like amazing defensive end come in, you know, revitalize your defensive line. Monty Kiffin was stoked about him. Um, was he, he before or after Daquan Bowers, Mark? He was before. 
before. He was okay. a little. He was a little bit before, and uh, Bowers was a right second before, round pick. Yeah, yeah second round pick. Guys. But but Gaines, Gaines, like Josh J- JC said, I mean, you're talking about a top five guy, and uh, you so, know, he just 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 didn't live up to expectations. And um, it's, you know, again, it's sad that he died. The Buccaneers actually, I believe, traded him to the Chicago Bears. I think he was they on did, the Bears yeah. roster. Yeah. Bonus, second round pick away. after three years. Yeah, bonus disappointment. They got Aurelius Ben with that pick. And he oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's a double whammy bone, a bonus disappointing. Yeah. You got Gaines Adams, you trade him after a couple of years, and then you get Aurelius Ben, and neither of them done it, did anything. Oh, yikes. So, but I will say this, getting getting three years of Gaines Adams, yes, he was disappointed. Then trading him for a second-round pick at that point when he had one year and probably not a fifth-year option that on his contract. A, that was a steal. That's great. He was coming off a one-sack season in his third year after two 60-sack And then he dies. You trade. Yeah, you get a second round pick for a guy that passed away. Yeah, you know, I mean it, it, it's terribly tragic, and and I don't even really remember. I mean, I was he passed away in his sleep, right? It was something, uh, uh something like that. It was a heart defect or something, or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, terrible. I mean, he was so young, and awful. And he, yeah. some people were saying he was on the Bears. I thought he was on. I knew he was on the Bears, and then I thought maybe he wasn't on any team because it would have been his contract year. I thought he was a free agent, but anyway, either way, yeah, that was that was terrible. We never got to see if anything would amount to him after that, obviously, but. You know, Daquan Bowers was another one, and that those guys always remind me of the history of Clemson DNs. I mean, just even <laughs> Cleveland Farrell recently not hasn't panned yeah. out and at all. Shaq Lawson didn't pan out and live up to expectation. Remember, uh, what's his name? Kevin Dodd was an early second round pick of the Titans. He completely busted. He's not even in the league. He he was completely out of the league in like two years. Um, there's other guys too. I'm I'm sure that I'm forgetting about DNs from Clemson, but I don't buy into that as a draft guy. By the way, this is just random that it happened to be that way. Obviously, we're talking about crossing decades here so we're it's there's obviously not much correlation it's just funny how those guys have just not uh to not uh, seem to work out uh for whatever reason all right oh so good choice by you uh that's number two that was your number two right jc uh my number two i'm i'm not i'm just gonna keep bringing up names again like i don't know like who where to necessarily rank these guys but like are we gonna talk about chris i mean chris baker is the cover the cover of this episode right now uh and i know it wasn't necessarily the biggest contract i'm not saying he's number two and i'm not listing him in order necessarily but i mean he was a huge disappointment right i mean like just it, his cavalier attitude was eating a hot dog on the sidelines got a can of dip in his hand like i just what was going on with this guy you were around the locker room you know the effect that it had and obviously he didn't last very long one season he was out of there mark but it just seems like he was a disaster in every sense of the word is douche nozzle an actual word to describe somebody? <laughs> if it is, it should that's be. Chris Baker. Um, just a real, just a just a a hole. You know, I'm trying to keep it PG PG here. Um, that. I, again, he he ranks up there with Alvin Harper as far as guys that I just disliked, and Deshaun Jackson's in that list as well. Just for us guys and Kellen Winslow Jr. or the second or the third or whatever he was. I just there's just a handful of guys that I majority of these guys I've dealt with over the years have been pleasant. Some great, some so so. There haven't been that many turds, but he was one of them, definitely for sure. Um, uh, you know, th- we knew. I mean, he had a reputation of being yeah. that way in Washington, but he had some production. He was coming off a five sack season. They thought Found he could do. help Gerald McCoy out in the on in the inside and 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 you know boost that inside interior pass rush. Um, he was the guy just, that lit up. Car- was it Carson Wentz? I think he lit him up on an interception return. Yeah. He like clotheslined him blindside after the play was over, and then Trent Williams or no, Jason Peters went to town, just like yeah. hammering Chris Baker. Came right at him, both fists flying. It was epic stuff because Peters is yeah. like 
the real BA dude you don't mess right. with. And and Chris Baker was like running back to the sideline after a cheap shot. Uh, I don't think a dude in the league liked. I just, uh, just yeah. he was he was dis- very rare. Even guys that I didn't like, you know, there's a handful of guys on the team that like him. He was not yeah. liked in that locker room by his own yeah. teammates, really, to be honest with you. And then when he left, was even a bigger jerk because that was when the uh, Bolts and and the Capitals kind of had a bit of a rivalry in hockey. And I remember him talking crap on Twitter mm. uh, when the Capitals beat the Bolts in like a playoff series or something like that too. How uh, that worked just- out for you, Christopher? Yeah, not good. Just a just a real jerk overall. Um, and, and the thing is, as I was going to say, the Buccaneers knew that you know what kind of guy he was. But again, he was coming off a pretty good year. But but we were told that the Buccaneers that was the same year they signed signed to Sean Jackson. But they went to some of the veteran guys and they said, "Hey, are you going to be okay if we sign this guy?" Because his reputation was known league wide. It wasn't just you know with management and and things like that. And uh, and and you know, a handful of the players like, yeah, you know, we can we can handle him, we can tame him, we can keep him, you know, focused, blah blah blah. Well, it just never happened, and um, just a terrible, terrible signing. I think that was two thousand sixteen, or was it seventeen that he was signed? It was the hard knocks year, I believe. So yeah, uh, and he was caught humping a a palm tree in that hard knocks episode, and that That's episode of him eating a hot dog on the sideline, I think, was also from hard knocks. Just a yeah. Just a right just a, away, not a good human being. Yeah, right. Uh, somebody wants me to ask you about Broderick Thomas here. Ooh, I like the Sandman personally. Again, he was on a team that was just terrible. I mean, he he was he was the only good football player on a on a really really bad football team. I mean, this was ninety ninety one somewhere in there. The thing about it, he was in a draft class where there were a ton of guys that went after him that were just studs and stars. I don't, I don't think it was Junior Seau, but there were some guys. I think Seau might have been the Eric Curry year. I can't remember. I'm, I'm getting old and forgetful. But there were some great football players in that class. I think Barry Sanders went just ahead of Broderick Thomas, and Deion Sanders went just ahead of Broderick Thomas. Maybe, maybe Barry was drafted right after Broderick. But, um, you know, he, he had a couple decent good years for the Buccaneers. Um, I didn't dislike him as much as some people did. But, but he was a disappointment, again, when you're talking about drafting in the top ten and, and a guy not living up to expectations. Broderick Thomas was certainly one of those guys that did. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, ready for number got- one? We got to get to number ones, but before we do, I got to talk about our pals over at Loose Cannons. LooseCannonsTravel.com. If you get a chance to check it out, Bucks fans, you got to do it. You can party with other Bucks fans in LA, in New Orleans, and in Atlanta this year at Bucks Away Games. They've got four-star VIP hotels, Friday night private parties, drinks, foods, DJ, Saturday night pep rallies, drinks, foods, DJ, all-inclusive tailgates, game day tickets to these games, these away games. I'm telling you, it's an epic package put together by these guys. Let me give you an example of just how just what some of these packages look like. Let's look at the LA one because I love LA. Look at this. If you get if you get four people to go, you're paying about a thousand bucks per person. And this is you get hotel stays, you get Friday night parties, Saturday night pep rallies. We're talking about VIP parties, not like going to the bar with your pals. This is like VIP stuff. There's gonna be big name guests there. Jason Light's already said he's dropping in on one of these things if there's wings. You get the catered tailgate. You get tickets to the game. I mean, it's it's amazing what they have. Just go over to loosecannonstravel.com. Look at these away game packages. See if you can get a few people together and head out to these games. I think what Loose Cannons is doing is really, really cool. Loosecannonstravel.com. You want to make sure you check them out uh, and and see kind of if, if one of these packages is right for you um, that they have offered here because it's a great opportunity for Bucks fans. And let's just be honest. If you're like, oh, I'll do it another year, you don't know that you're going to get another right. team like this one. That's not promised to you. This is a team, man, that that's worth 
invested in going in and putting some money into one of these things. And they've created, I can't believe you get all that in those packages for like a thousand ducks per person. If you can get four of your boys to go or four or girls, whatever to go. I mean, that's just a great deal. So it's definitely great. check over. Go see what those guys are offering because it's some, it's some really good stuff what they've put together for Bucks fans. Yeah. And, and if you haven't been to LA for a game, uh, what a great, I mean, that's, that's so far of all my travels other than London, of course, you can't beat London, but hopefully the Buccaneers don't end up going back to London anytime soon. But uh, LA was just a great trip a couple of years ago, man. Just a, I thought it was a great town, had a great time in LA. Can't wait to get back there this year. And you kept mentioning drinks. I will just say I've drank with the uh, loose cannon guys before. They're not joking when they said there's going to be alcohol flowing. Uh, these guys may be alcoholics. I'm not trying to make any judgments <laughs> here, but these guys can, these guys can drink. I, I can assure you I've, I've been with them in, in some show, social settings where they, they could definitely drink. So it will be a good time. I guarantee you that whether the bucks win or lose doesn't matter. You're going to have a good time. You may not even remember the game on Sunday. <laughs> if you hang out with these guys Friday and Saturday night, but Anyway, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, check it's it gonna out. be fun stuff. Loosecannonstravel.com, check it out for sure. All right, number one for you, Mark. Who do you got? Josh, you have any like countdown music? Any like a drum roll sound effect? Anything there? Probably not. But we'll just put- oh, on the clock. And with the first with- overall pick in the Bucks <laughs> that sucked draft, Mark Cook presents Tampa Bay Buccaneers select. Oh no, Bo, Bo, and here's the thing. Speaking of loose cannons, uh, Samer did this graphic for us. I believe it was Samer that did this for me because I did a story last year. What if the Buccaneers had drafted uh, Bo Jackson or had what if Bo Jackson had played because they did draft him. And that's the crazy thing. We talked about Jameis Winston being the number one overall draft pick. Well, at least Jameis Winston played in Tampa Bay for five seasons. This guy never even played. John, you're going to have to switch it back. I don't know how to take the photo off, but uh, I'm sorry. We're going to be stuck looking at Bo. This one hurts, man. You just click on it the, again. The level of, of the Buccaneers organization is just in the heart. Because you guys, he, he played for him. He told him, don't draft yeah. me. I'm not going to play for you guys. And Hugh Culverhouse said, you know, uh, we'll get him to play. Bo Jackson did not like Hugh Culverhouse, did not get a good vibe for him. He blamed Hugh Culverhouse for him losing his eligibility to play baseball at Auburn because the Buccaneers flew him to Tampa on their team. After plane, telling him it would be fine, right? Well, and, and, and I did an article a few years ago. On one of the 30 for 30s about Bo Jackson, I had an opportunity to interview Bo Jackson himself and also Hugh Culverhouse Jr. Senior, of course, has passed on. Now, I will say this. Believe what you want. Culverhouse Jr. told me the Buccaneers checked with the NCAA and they were told it would not be a violation. Bo Jackson didn't want to hear any of that. When he got kicked off the baseball team and couldn't play anymore, there was no way, no how, no chance he was ever going to play for the Buccaneers. Yet, they still decided to draft him with the number one overall pick. Again, Jameis Winston, at least he played five seasons. At least he holds the franchise record for most passing yards and touchdown passes and all of those things. Uh, Bo Jackson has exactly the same amount of yards rushing for the Buccaneers as you and I and JC have. 0.0. So that's, that's my number one. Because when you say disappointing, it fits the term. It's not necessarily his fault, but also because he went on to be all these other guys, they were just pretty much that we're talking about. They were just pretty much bad no matter what. You know, right. they just haven't been good. But he was actually good and never did it with the box, refused to do it with the box. So that it's in what some makes ways, it hurt so much worse, yeah. man. And in a time when the Buccaneers were just bad, this was 86. They were coming off a two and 14 season with Lehman Bennett. Uh, and they ended up two and 14 that next year. But uh, but apparently Bo came to town, had dinner with some of the offensive linemen 
And a few of them, apparently, again, this is allegedly not confirmed, said, you don't want to come here. This is is a bad football team, a bad organization. And again, I jokingly said, but it's a true story. Hugh Culverhouse had Coke machines and old one Buccaneer place that the players had to pay 50 cent for a soda. I mean, again, you walk in the Buccaneer locker room today. There's just, you know, the, first of all, they don't have any soda, but there's Gatorades, waters, energy drinks, whatever you want all over the place. Players just grab what they need. Hugh Culverhouse was so cheap, he charged his own players to buy a can of Coke. Bo Jackson took one look at that facility and 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 and, and talked to some players and said, no way, no how, no chance. And, and the, the fact that he got ruled ineligible to play baseball was the final straw. But the Buccaneers... And Hugh was just egotistical, thought he could wave a million dollars. And they did offer him the largest rookie contract in the history of the NFL. Bo said, no, thank you. Opted to play baseball. Ended up being an all-star for Kansas City and then being a pro bowler for the L.A. Raiders before a hip injury ended his career. Well, we're going long on this show, but I got to ask about this because I didn't even think about this. Iron Bear, we're not going to talk about Darrell Revis. This is crazy because Darrell Revis obviously was great. Before Tampa Bay, great after Tampa Bay, only spent one year in Tampa Bay. There's an argument he could have been the best, he could be the best corner to ever play football. Yet one year in Tampa Bay, and he wasn't the worst player on the field, right, Mark? But he no, but, but he was coming off remember he was coming off that knee injury, right? With the yeah. Jets. He was coming off the ACL reconstruction. And and, and I again I, I don't blame Greg Shannon completely for the play of Darrell Revis. And I thought it was a good move because that was an you talk about an awful draft class. Uh, they ended up drafting Jonathan Banks in the second round, I believe, that year, but it was just not a very good draft class. So getting the best cornerback in football, even coming off an injury for I think the number 16 overall pick, I thought was a pretty good deal. The fact that they got nothing in return for him and he went on to win Super Bowls and playing a couple of Pro Bowls after that, though. But he just wasn't healthy the first half of that year. And and he was asked to do some things that he wasn't good at. Look, you don't try and change, right? You don't try. I don't know what the saying is. You don't the leopard and the spots and the zebra or whatever it is. Look, <laughs> you don't ask. You don't ask Darrell Revis to play zone coverage. That's not what he does. He's the greatest cover corner. Uh, you could say maybe Dion and a couple other guys, but he's certainly a top five guy in the yeah. history of the NFL. Right. Now, Greg Schiano will tell you, and he told Scott and I this. He actually took Scott and I back for a little film session one day and showed a game, and uh, and he pointed out Darrell Revis. Um, you know, opening up the door for uh, uh, completion to Greg Olson because, you know, he he wouldn't come off of his receiver. He was supposed to be in zone. He was supposed to hand him off to the cornerback, uh, I mean, to the safety, and instead trailed the cornerback deep, which opened up the flat underneath for Greg Olson, and it was a long pass completion. And it was very frustrating to Greg Shiano because Darrell wanted to play the way that he wanted to play, but he just wasn't ready the first few weeks of that year to play um, you know, in man coverage. But again, they asked him to do some things that they probably shouldn't have, but he also wasn't healthy. It was a 50-50 thing, half on Darrell, half on um, on, on the coaching staff, in my opinion. But I, I don't, I, you know, it's disappointing that it wasn't better, but I certainly wouldn't put him on, on, on even my top 10 list of disappointing guys. Right, right, right. I understand where you're coming from there for sure. Okay, all right. What do you got, JC? So we talked about a quarterback earlier that we thought would, you know, controversially might make the list. Is it Jameis Winston, number one overall pick? No, it's not. But it is a quarterback, and it is a former number one overall pick. We're going to go here with Vinny Testaverde. Oh. You brought in Vinny Testaverde. Number one overall I know a lot of people love Vinny Testaverde, right? A lot of people still hold him dear in his heart. 
Let me tell you some of the franchise records he holds still for the Buccaneers. Most time sacked, most interceptions thrown in a season, and most interceptions thrown in his career over six seasons. Yeah. He just didn't pan out for the for the franchise. Uh, you know, man, if you're if you have the most interceptions in Bucks history and your name's not Jameis, like wow, you <laughs> did some work because yeah. Jameis yeah. was coming for that record, boy. Like he wanted that thing, and you still kept it from him. That's hats <laughs> off to Vinny. <laughs> no, I mean Vinny Testaverde did go on to have a long career, played for multiple franchises, did pretty well with the Jets later on in his career. You know, his son, I believe, was down here, what, two years ago? Um, yeah, for about a, about an hour and a half. <laughs> no, he played know, one preseason game, yeah. For some reason, people still love Vinny Testaverde in Tampa Bay. I don't, re- I don't understand it, but, um, you know, you want to talk about disappointing. Anytime you take a quarterback, number one, overall doesn't pan out and doesn't pan out in the way that he did. I mean, and not to say that there were better quarterback options. I think the best quarterback to come out of that draft was Rich Gannon. He wasn't anything until later in his career either. So, you know, I, I guess take it what as what you will, but it's still. You know, I, I would like to argue with you, JC, but I can't because you make a good point. But let's not forget, in order to draft Vinny Testaverde, the Buccaneers traded Steve Young to the 49ers <laughs> to make room. I mean, you talk about double whammies here. I mean, Steve Another- Young was on this roster. They decided that Vinny Testaverde coming out of college was better. I mean, Jesus, I would love to argue with you, Jason, but I can't. You're, you're spot on with this one. It's a good call by you. That was the same season they traded him? Do what? Yes. That was the same- oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's yes. that's take for me. Now, make no and mistake, he- Steve Young would not have become the Steve Young that he did. In this Buccaneer system under Ray Perkins, right? I mean, he went to Bill Walsh, a guru of football, right? The guy has has wrote books about it. I mean, people still do uh, things that Bill Walsh did in the NFL today, you know, 35 years later. So, uh, but, but he wouldn't have been, but still just the thought of getting rid of a future Hall of Fame quarterback to bring in a guy who still leads your franchise and interceptions. I loved Vinny personally, myself, his very first start. Late in that, he didn't even start right out of the gate his first year. Steve DeBerg did. But in his first start against the Saints, he threw for over 400 yards. And we thought they still lost. But we thought, man, this guy's going to be really, really good. But one of his, I actually was watching an old VHS tape that I had the other day that I found. I found a VCR, plugged it in. It's actually the Rams, the Bucks at the Rams in, in 87. And it's Vinny's first. He comes in and mop up duty because the Buccaneers are getting hammered. He was two for two to start the game. He threw an interception. On his third pass, and it wasn't even close. It wasn't. It was. It made Jameis Winston look like Joe Montana. That's how bad this interception was, and it just kept getting worse for Vinny. Great guy, uh, colorblind too. Again, how does that slip through the cracks when you're evaluating and drafting a guy? What's up with he the was Bucks colorblind? Are, what's up with the Bucks drafting quarterbacks who can't see and got oh, eye problems? Come on, man. I never one overall at that. They need to add a team optometrist to their uh, staff. Bruce, <laughs> hey, those, the biggest those guys in the league, but. Those yeah. guys were disappointing, but you know what? Never disappoints. Everyone out guys. there, you know what? Never what? disappoints. What? And you got, and you know, you guys know this full, full well because you experienced the beauty, the beauty of Manscaped as well. And summer is coming. It's summer's here, man. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? You're in luck. Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Compliment your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guys summer. Oh, my. By going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code pewter, P-E-W. 
T-E-R is the code. It's time to bundle up this performance package 4.0. Let me tell you about this thing. It's got the trimmer, which you need, obviously. You should go without saying. The Weed Whacker Air and Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. This thing is a game changer. It's great. Uh, yeah. And the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver <laughs> Toner. I'm using the toner right now. The toner, right? You didn't need to tell us that, but JC, prove it. All prove it, JC. Prove it. No, don't prove it. No, don't, don't prove it. Don't prove it. Boxer briefs. The boxer briefs are incredibly comfortable. They're unbelievable. Yeah. And a travel bag to hold your goodies. I'm telling you, this thing has everything. The technology on the trimmer is unbelievable. It's waterproof. There's a travel lock for it. There's a light so you can see everything going on down there. No nicks, man. You got to keep everything in top, tip top shape. It's great stuff. You got to check it out. The Manscaped, uh, the performance package 4.0. Uh, it brings that comfort uh, to another level that you've got, and you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code Pewter, P E W T E R. Pewter is the promo code there to make sure you take advantage of that special Guys, offer from Manscaped.com. The offer is still on the table. The first $200 Super Chat we get, I will on camera live carve no. SR's initials in my chest hair. In your All chest hair, right. right, right. Yes, right. yes. No, not anywhere else. Uh, maybe my back hair. But um, yeah, not going any lower than that. But uh, but anyway, all we need is a $200 Super Chat one day, and I will do it live on the air. I promise you. SR will be in my chest hair. I'm, All right, here we go. Number one. Friends. You want the you music? Say, yes, with the music. Here we go. Go ahead, the music. And by the way, for everyone that's watching, a VHS and a VCR, it's this tape that puts on film that you put <laughs> yeah. into your... <laughs> All right, with John's first pick in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who sucked draft, I've got to go with Anthony Collins. This one shocked me. I don't remember this one really at all, but this was in what, 2013? 14. 14, I 14. think. So Jason Light's first offseason. Yeah, right? him and him they went all first in. year together. Yes. Listen to this free agent class that they landed. They went all in on the free agent class. I'm, I'm Somebody might not be on here that they hadn't signed yet. Found an old article Michael Johnson, Clinton Ooh. McDonald, Brandon Myers, Alteron Werner, Josh McCown. And of course, Anthony Collins, what was it? A five-year, $37 million deal. And Anthony Collins had only started part of one season for the Bengals. He'd been in the league for years. He wasn't a high draft pick. There was no reason in the world to pay this man. What he made it one year, I think, Mark. Didn't and and was not even not even horrible. because because he was a healthy scratch like the last two games oh, of his first year with the Buccaneers. God. That's that's how bad he was. Not just on the football field with his performance, but he was just a bad guy in the locker room. Now, I didn't wow. hate the guy. I talked to him plenty of times, seemed like a nice guy, but you talk about a guy who took the money and ran. He's probably still sitting on a beach somewhere on his own <laughs> private island on Glazer Money, laughing all the way to the bank when he goes and checks his balance because he absolutely robbed this franchise. But Jason Light didn't play around. He realized his mistake. He got rid of him in a hurry. Same thing with uh, with uh, who was the defensive end from Cincinnati? Michael Johnson. Michael, yeah, yeah, Michael Johnson. Just also bad. Michael, Michael at least went back to Cincinnati and, and continued to play pretty well for the Bengals. Collins yeah, never Anthony played again, Collins, right? Ne never, never saw a football field again. No, I, I swear to God, he's in witness protection, or he's he's in he's hiding on an island somewhere, laughing. I promise you, terrible, I mean, terrible guy. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I mean, that's I, that's one of the wilder free. I don't, I don't have no memory of that. Probably because again, he didn't play after that. He played. That was it. I mean, that's that's that was crazy. <laughs> so Tony says I need a drink after listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> said this me too. Too. 
so okay. terrible. We thought we'd have to write the shit, Bucks fans. You celebrated all this <laughs> stuff with the Bolts and the Bucks, and now we're gonna we're just bringing you back down to earth a little bit. But, Tracy but, says all three of our faces need manscaped. Hey, what? How are you on. talking about this immaculate My playoff beard? beard. Like I am actually gonna shave My now. Next the beard alone. I'll throw a little bit more salt in the wound for these guys. I'll bring up Deshaun Goldson, uh, yeah. from San Francisco. We'll bring up Austin Safarian Jenkins. He was supposed how about, to really how about care. Eric Wright, one of the worst cornerback signings ever, just terrible yeah. in 2012. Ended and, up uh, uh, hardly playing. For Eric team. Curry, right? Eric Curry. Eric Curry was one of those guys. Derek Ward, a running back from the uh, Giants, yes. who signed a big deal with the Buccaneers, and this was one of his first things. He got here. They were passing out his equipment. He said to the trainers, well, the Giants gave me five pair of socks. I think the Buccaneers only gave him like three pair. I mean, that's the prima donna this guy was. He was pissed because he only got three pair of socks, not five. Didn't last very long in Tampa Bay at all. Well, I mean, the Buccaneers made a great pick of taking Keith McCants in number four when they could have yeah. number five. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was the year. Yeah, they took McCants instead of Seau. And, uh, and, and and Dexter Jackson, not the Super Bowl MVP, the wide receiver out of Appalachian State or wherever he was, who was just absolutely dreadful. He was an early yeah. second-round draft pick. Just terrible. I mean, we could have made a list. Of, we could have done a top 25 of, of disappointing and sure. still not being able to put everybody in here. There's that's, been some that's bad true. guys. There's a lot of – and it's fun to think back and laugh about for sure. Goster Cherilistank mentions. I just remember oh, Goster man. because wasn't it Goster that went up against David Irving? And that game, and Irving had like five. I mean, it was like the game where everybody's yeah. like, "Oh, he like literally ripped Goster's arms off and beat him to death with them." It was incredible. To yeah, watch. yeah. yeah. And to, 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 Goster was a was a nice guy, but he was he was on his last, literally on his last legs. I mean, this guy's knees were completely shot. Mm. He had no chance at all. That was a terrible game because it was Dallas Sunday Night Football. The Buccaneers just needed um, two wins out of their last three games, yeah. and they went to the playoffs. They ended up only getting one. Uh, win out of that. They lost at Dallas and they lost it um, at New Orleans on Christmas Eve night the following week. And then they beat the uh, Panthers at home. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was a bad game for God's chairless. But I don't blame him. He was just, he was on his last leg. Telling you what, lots of memories, lots of fun. Hopefully Bucks fans didn't get sad about this and they had fun going back down memory lane. And hopefully it makes everything they're experiencing now that much sweeter to go back down that lane and remember some of these guys. It, and, and It does, John, for, especially again for a guy like me who, who's yeah. seen the awfulness firsthand mm -hmm. and has covered this team. This will be my 11th year in the locker room. I mean, some of these guys you guys mentioned, the Hargraves and, and, and some of these guys, the Mark Barons, I was here through all this, the uh, the Carl Nix, uh, Mercer situations, and Eric Wright and Jonathan mm -hmm. Banks and Darrell Rivas. I mean, I saw those firsthand. That was, you know, as great as this job is, right? And guys, make no mistake, we all three have one of the greatest jobs mm -hmm. in the world and very envied by many people listening right now. Um, it was difficult at times to get up and go to one Buccaneer place when you knew this football team had zero chance of being very good. But anyway, again, it still beats digging ditches. I'll say that much. Those, <laughs> those days, definitely in the past, the way this is going down. Notice we didn't say anybody from the last four or five years, maybe something in that time span. They were other, just, than M, other than MJ, I think MJ was the MJ. most recent one. Right, right. Yeah, yeah that's right. MJ's that's right. Yeah. And Guaya was what, four years ago, maybe? I forget now. So, say, but anyway. Say Anthony's a little bit disappointing. I mean, a fourth round pick still. I wouldn't say super, but did you expect to see a little bit more out of him? Who, so who was that? Anthony Nelson. You know, I based on what we were told by the Buccaneers, who they thought this was the exact quote, I'd never forget the, the person saying this. We feel he's a more athletic, 
Carl Nassib, and um, mm-hmm. he just hasn't been that way. Carl Nassib, no. you know, was a six sack guy anyway. Anthony Nelson, yeah. if he ever gets six sacks, I, I'll, I will, uh, I will just shave his initials in my table. chest. Right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, it was good stuff. It was fun going back down memory lane. This show went really lo- very long. We thought it might, uh, and that's what Bonus Thursday does. But hey, you have tomorrow to listen to this pod because we're not going to be on live tomorrow, but we will be back Monday with Stephen Che. It's going to be an 8.30 podcast at night. On Monday, we will be live. We're talking about his top 100 and a few bucks that he has uh, oh, embarrassingly left out of his top 100. Get ready to give Stephen a hard time with me, folks, because we're, we're going to give him a hard time. No, he put together a great list. We're going to give him a hard time. We're also going to praise him when it's necessary, if it's necessary. We'll see. Uh, Scott and Mark will be on uh, talking about the 15 best bucks of all time on Tuesday. Uh, we got Tristan Wirfs coming on the show on Wednesday. Those Tuesday and Wednesday, those will be 4 p.m. shows uh, as they're slotted right now. And I don't know what we're doing Thursday. We're having a party or something Thursday. We'll do something fun on the podcast as we always do. But again, for another week, we appreciate you all so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.